Um, like Pastor Jeff said last week, we are starting a new series on finding your one. Finding your one. And a lot of us, this is the traveling season when we going to the beach or we going to see family, we going to see friends. And a lot of the times when we are traveling, we try to take bypasses. These are roads that keep us from driving through the center of the city, either because of traffic or for some other reason that we can kind of get around it. Even though it's longer, um, it's, at times it's a lot better um, to do the bypasses than it is to drive directly through a particular area. And just like we try to use bypasses to get around cities and towns that we really don't want to drive directly through, we do the same thing with people. We try to bypass people that we don't want to communicate with, bypass people we don't want to talk to. And that's when you thinking about being a, a person of Christ and talking about finding your one, these are not good things um, to do. So I'm not here to give you a blueprint that's going to guarantee that you connect with everyone um, you meet in Christ. I look at it this way. As Jesus couldn't reach everyone, I'm not going to reach everyone as well. But as many people as I come in contact with, the Spirit is going to lead us, each and every one of us, um, to the person that God would have for us to impact. Um, this fact, this is just a fact. It's a part of the process. And within that process, it's a long and tiresome process to reach someone that is lost. And each and every one of us in here or watching have family and friends that, that we want to reach for Christ, that we want to see again in heaven, and we want to reach them, and we want to do what we can. Um, and I am no different. I have a brother that, that I've been trying to reach for years, and he was doing his thing to the point that he and I couldn't even ride in the same car together um, when I would go home to visit. But over time, our relationship got better. He stopped doing some things that that um, caused that friction, and now he's more inclined with Christ. He's still not where he needs to be, but he's not where he used to be. And this is a prayer that I've been praying for over 20-some-plus years for him to come around, and he's, he's getting better. And for a lot of us, that journey is, is definitely a difficult one, and at times the person will take two steps forward only to take three steps back. And, but you still got to be persistent and continue to, to be a part of that person's life. And I find it is true that many people will appreciate you coming to them as opposed to you telling them, come to church. And that's why I love Two City Church. We not that church say, well, you come to church, and then we'll talk about Christ. Then we'll talk about what's going on in the Bible. We, we are not those, that kind of church. We actually go into the communities that we need to go into to reach those um, that are lost. So getting past that and doing those things um, make it all possible. And what we do it through here is life groups. And most of us, if not all of us who lead a life group, know this to be the case. Um, I can tell you that each and every one of us as group leaders love doing what we're doing. And we love the people and seeing them, their eyes just light up in that aha moment when a word of God hits them, and then they, it clicks in their mind, and just seeing that, it makes it all worth it. So to give you an example of how to do this, I figured Jesus is the best example to make that happen. 
And what we want to do is actually just to help us find that one person this year to bring to Christ. And looking at the scripture of John 4, beginning at verse 4, you see Jesus talking. Well, John talking, but he's talking about Jesus. So we say he is Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noonday. So in that event, and me being a history major, I, I just couldn't pass that that part of the scripture where it says, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Joseph well was there, and Jesus was tired. To me, that part could have been left out. So me being the history major that I am, I had to do some research and find out, like, why? What's significant about Sychar and Samaria? Um, during this particular passage, Jesus is leaving Jerusalem, going to Galilee, and going to, from Jerusalem in the south to Galilee in the north, you had to travel through Samaria. So he gets to Sychar, and I looked at Genesis, found in Genesis 12, 6, and 7. This is where Abraham first came to Canaan when he left Babylon. And it's also the first place that God appeared to Abram. And it's also the first place that, that God renewed his covenant with Abram and his descendants. And you go to Genesis 33. This is the place where Jacob met his brother Esau after leaving Laban and dedicated a place there. At that time, in the Old Testament, this place was called Shechem. But in Genesis 34, tragedy struck. Dinah, Joseph's daughter, was raped by the locals, and in retaliation, her brothers went into the city and just annihilated, massacred everyone there. In Joshua 24:32, this is where the bone of, bones of Jacob, I mean, of Joseph, was taken and buried. After he was taken out, his bones were taken out of Egypt. And of course, we all are familiar with Joshua 24 and 15, where Joshua proclaimed, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, we see Jesus going to a place where he's not only certain to run into a stranger, but he's going to a place where the part of the foundation of the Israelites um, started. And the Jews avoided Samaritans because they disliked and distrust them. And the same way that we feel the same way about some people that we come in contact with or we see in, out and about as we are traveling. So most of this consists of doing something that is out of our comfort zone. I can remember going out and evangelizing for the first time and feeling uneasy about, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? How, what if they do this? What if they're saying this? What if somebody's doing that? But once I got there and we started talking to the people, all those doubts and fears kind of kind of go away because you find out that those are human beings just like you to have likes just like you, and you find out oh I was I had the wrong thoughts I had the wrong impressions, and all those um, anxieties and fears kind of went away, and that's kind of what happened. You find that you have more uh, in common than you don't have in common when these things happen. So the first point is simply focus on a relationship. When I'm talking about focus on relationship, it's finding someone, just talking to them, whatever you're at, and dealing with it. And I'm just going to use some examples from what Jesus encountered with 
chapter 4, 7 through 8, and says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food. So you see the part, please give me a drink. Jesus didn't waste any time going through the formalities of asking her name, hey, how are you doing? He's at the well. What's the common statement you're going to say at the well? You're going to say, hey, give me a drink. But the problem with this well is this well was a BYOB well. Y'all laugh. Bring your own bucket. So Jesus didn't have a bucket to draw water from. Jesus knowing this, he asking this woman for a drink. She knowing he don't have what, a bucket. So, of course, she's going to say, sir, you have nothing to draw water from. So the conversation continues to develop. And Jesus developed a relationship with her from that, that statement. And we have to understand that building someone and, and, and getting faith in um, someone's, not someone, but in God and developing that and getting to that point is just establishing little small conversations here and there to get you there. I think Jesus figured that I'll ask her for water since I'm at a well and you don't have to develop any outstanding outline to initiate any conversation or to see what's going on next. You just do what, you, what comes naturally. So you say something, someone says something back, and you just continue that conversation from there. So you kind of let the relationship just develop on from there. But you have to realize that when people see how Christ has transformed your life, they will want to know how they can experience that same power in their own life. I can remember um, being in a, in a career and just going throughout my daily activities and doing things. And then when I was getting ready to leave and having soldiers come up to me that were watching me that I didn't know were watching me, and they say, hey, I just thank you for being an example and just doing things. You never wavered um, from your faith regardless of what was going on. You, you stayed the course. And that's awesome to know because you, you have to realize as a believer in, in your work environment, in your school, wherever you're at, if people know that you are saved, they know that you have a relationship with Christ, they may never come and speak to you or talk to you outright, but they're watching to see how you, your response to stuff that goes on in work is going to be the same response to, to, their, to them. And they're, they're paying attention to those cues. So as you respond to the same situation, but you, your response is different than theirs, then they kind of see that word start to be a path into your pathway, and they start to, 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 to pay attention to that. And, and from that, they'll ask you little questions. And then those questions turn into more conversation. Then you start to move on from there, which I forgot the clicker. It's put it in my back pocket. It goes to our second point. Be open to the direction of the conversation. That is, is very important, being open to the direction of the conversation. And here's what the woman responds to Jesus with. The woman was surprised, but Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? The Samaritans had a historical connection to the Israelites. They were half Jews. 
So they followed the first five books of the Bible, the laws of Moses, but they added some superstition to the mix, which caused friction between them and the Jews. And some Jews hated the Samaritans so much, they hated the Samaritans more than they hated the Gentiles, which is outrageous. So in the Samaritan world, they figured Christ was going to come back and he was going to come back to them in Samaria and worship with them at, on the Mount of Garrison. Of course, the Jews saying, was thinking Jesus is going to come back. He's going to worship with us at Jerusalem. So they were conflicts there. So every time the Jews had to go through Samaria, they would go either to the right and go along the Jordan River. They would go to the left and follow the Mediterranean Sea. They never really went through Samaria because they just didn't want anything to do with the people. And this brings me to, bring us to another point that when you are encountering people who are lost, you're going to see that they have some religious differences. They're going to have some traditions and some different understanding of God's word than, than you have. And this is how I handle those that come to me with those conflicts. I would just open the Bible to that passage of Scripture, and I would show it to them what we're discussing so they can see it. I don't outright, you don't want to outright tell someone, hey, you are, that's wrong. That's not what the Bible say. That's, you, that causes friction with them. But if you open the Bible and you show it to them in the Word and allow them to see it for themselves, you eliminate yourself and you put God there. And God can defend himself. He, he don't need us. His Word stands alone then that's the purpose for doing that, for using this to show them. Even though you know up, you know up and down that that's, that's wrong interpretation, my advice is don't outright say it. Show, open, the, open the Bible, show them the passage that deals with whatever your conversation is about, and show them that, that there, and show them other commentaries. And again, if you can't find it, you call someone and ask someone to help you Find that um, passage of scripture to get them to understand. Well, not get them to understand, but show them in, in the Bible what God's word is saying um, to them and let God, um, through the Holy Spirit, work his magic that way. And Paul even backs it up in Colossians 4 and 6, and he says, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. So it's not a telling them you're right, you're wrong, and being confrontational, Paul is saying, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. He didn't say to someone, he said to everyone. That that's it is critical. All in all, this woman was a very fascinating woman. A lot of us know the story. Um, she had five husbands. Um, we know she had a sketchy past. She was quick-tongued because she, she conversated back and forth with Jesus. He said something, she said something. So she had some wit about her, and she also had some skeletons in her closet. But Jesus continued to hold this conversation with this woman regardless of her past. So immediately this woman was impressed and, and dumbfounded because Jews normally don't speak to Samaritans. And on top of that, they don't usually deal with, they don't talk to women as rabbis. And in the same way that we're going to encounter people 
that going to look at you and wonder, why are you talking to me? I'm holding a beer bottle in my hand. I'm cursing. I'm doing all these things. And you and you still there. And it's just going to take down that barrier and let them know, like, no, God still loves you regardless of what you're doing. You still can be saved. He still can bring about a, 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 um, a reuniting of, of what you're going through back to him regardless of what you're doing at that moment. Because there are people um, that that seen our life groups that that when I started out, it were people in my life group, for example, that for four months didn't say a word. Not one word. They would poker face. And I would ask God, like, God, what am, what am I doing wrong? And the Holy Spirit just said, keep, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And over time, they started talking. And they start regurgitating all these things that were said the previous months before. Some of it, I forgot I even said, but they remembered. And it hit, it hit, and they started speaking on it. And what you will find that's going on behind the scenes is that the Holy Spirit is kind of working on, working on them from the inside out. Because when you think about it, we consist of a soul, a body, and a spirit. When we are saved, only one-third of us are saved. That's our spirit. Our soul and our body is in the process of being saved. So your spirit is taking the word of God, and your soul tells your body what to do, but it's contaminated, and it wrestles with the word from your spirit. And as the spirit touches the soul, the soul tells the body what to do. And for me, I go to a lot of predominantly black churches, and you see people, guys, pants hanging down, girls probably skirts um, too short. And I would tell people, I said, don't say nothing. And then once the spirit of God falls on them, you start seeing pants go up, skirts, dresses get longer, because God is doing it. That's a part of them that they have to come to the understanding and realization to get to that point to where they, they're hearing from God. And then once they hear from God, then that transformation can take place. But what we can't do is put a measuring stick, well, I gave them, I gave them a task, now let's do this. Because in the military, what they do, when I was in, we'll do classroom in the morning, afternoon we'll do practical application meeting. You've got to put into action what you learned this morning. So you've got to execute that. As in the church, you can't, those rules don't apply. Someone, you may have to talk to them several times before they're able to put those words into action. It don't make them lost. It don't make them less of believe. It's just that they're not going to, the Spirit of God is just not going to move in their life in the manner that we expect them to. And over time, you start to see that transformation. And finally, that point, the next one is simply, See the person as God sees him or her. And verse 4, I mean, chapter 4 and 10 shows that. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now, I want you to read this again, but I want you to look at the word you. Pay attention to the word you. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you 
and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Jesus made this invitation personal. If you notice from these verses 7 to 10, Jesus didn't ask her anything about her husband's yet. He didn't ask her anything about her past. He didn't ask her to confess anything at this moment. But he was giving her an invitation to present her with living water. And of course, her she being um, at the well, thinking Jesus was talking about the, wa- the, well, the water at Jacob's well, not so much the Spirit of God. So the word you is found five times in there. And Jesus made it so personally. He said, what you say to us, what said to me is say to, say to you, should say to you, that we can't judge people. That's a natural response to judge someone. If you look at someone who comes in, who looks like, who looks kind of rough, and someone with a suit, more than likely you're going to go to the person with a suit because you're going to feel they're more intelligent and give you a better conversation than the person that's looking kind of, kind of homely. But once they talk, it comes out differently. So we can't pass judgment on, on the people. It's been a lot of people I've seen in suits that can't put two words together. And it's people that I've seen that was rough and rugged, that was very articulate, very smart. And I was like, wow, we didn't expect that. And that's something natural that all of us have. And that's something natural that we all have to constantly pray and, and seek guidance from God and that he would allow us to move, move those barriers and get them out of the way. Because if you struggle with it, ask God to give you genuine compassion for the lost um, by giving uh, you the ability to view him or her as he sees them. And understand that beneath everyone's tough exterior, there's someone that's been hurt by the church or by another person. Those are one or two things you're going to find. They've either been hurt by the church and they've been hurt, or they've been hurt by other people. And some of those pains are deep. Some of those hurts are deep. Some of those pains, it's going to take you over a year of talking to them to get them in a place like this. But you have, to, you have to be consistent. You have to be vigilant and active in going after them. And moving on from this, if you was to go down to John 4 and 38 through 45, and that's a part of this text that most preachers don't preach on, because that's the part where Jesus leaves the well, goes into the village to talk to the Samaritans. And through that process, what was happening was the people were believing in Jesus because of the woman. But over time, as they start to hear Jesus for themselves, they started to believe Jesus because of his word. And that's what we want to do within our life group. We want to bring people in. They may come because of you, but ultimately you want them to eventually hear God for themselves and have their own personal relationship because you don't want them to stay there looking at you. And I tell my group all the time, I said, look, I said, don't depend on me because I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail you. At some point in time, I'm going to let you down. So you, you have to put your trust in someone bigger and better than me. I'm just that bridge to get you connected or introduce you to Christ so you can have your own relationship in the same way I have my relationship. But we can still communicate and be here together 
but it has to be a process of, of transformation where you're growing from being um, with that person to having your own personal relationship with Christ. And another thing, as we in our life, most of you know them as Bible studies. You, you, to me, you should have a personal goal because no one goes to college and say, you know, I'm just going to go to college. Well, you, you want to graduate in four years. <laughs> in a life group or a Bible study, you should have a personal goal. Either you want to be a leader of a life group yourself or you want to bring other people into the fold. It would be a shame to look over your life of being a believer for years, and you look back and, and realize, I, ain't brought, I haven't brought anyone to Christ. I haven't reached any, any laws. I haven't went out of my comfort zone in the same way Jesus went out of his comfort zone to sit at this well in a place where Jews were hated. Jews hated Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews. And he went deeper into Samaria, stayed there for two days, talking to them and saving them. And then for us not to do anything even resemblance of what he did back then, it, it would truly be a shame. And we all have family, we all have friends that we want to see in heaven. We want to get there, but we're not. What are we doing to help get them there? If you're not communicating to them in a way to reach the light, how are, you, how are they going to be with you in heaven? If you you that person that they see that go to church that believes that that's the example, but you're not encouraging them, you're not speaking to them, you're not trying to bridge that gap for them to reach that point to get to where they are, where they need to be. In my group, it was one guy that, that kind of stood out. He was one of, the, one of the guys that came to the group, that joined the group, and I'm pretty sure all of them were kind of reluctant at first, and they just sat there for months, for months. And I'm like, wow, nothing. Over time, he started to talk, and he started to share, and then that conversation went from just life group talking to during the week, he would call, he would text, and we would communicate. And when he was going through crisis in his family, wife lose a job and certain things, he would call and we would talk. But this was the, the, the best moment for any life group leader. When we would talk, he would lead the conversation. He would tell me, my wife said, hey, we came, she came, she lost a job. I said, come on, honey, let's pray. And he would get his kids and they would pray. Everything that was going, every, everything that happened in their family, he was praying. And I, and I told Pastor Jeff about this story, and I told him I was going to give this testimony of, of his. And everything that a life group leader or someone who's, who's a believer that talks to unbelievers would say to him, but he was saying to me. So all those years of talking to him and being an example, and he was experiencing something that we didn't really deal with in a life group. But because of the work of the Holy Spirit gave him the answer to lead his family the way that God wanted him to lead it. And I'm just sitting on the phone just listening like, wow. Like everything I would say to him in the circumstances, situation he was going through, he was saying to me. And he wasn't saying, I'm going to do it. He had already done it. And, and that, that gave me so much joy um, to see him transform 
from that person that, that sat in the group, didn't say nothing, poker face the whole time. I didn't know if he liked being there or not. And to hear him come back and had those life experiences and say those things, it, it, was, it was awesome. So he's, he's not my one, so I'm not off the hook from my one for 20, 2021. But he's definitely one of my, my awesome stories. And with that being said, it's some simple um, next steps that we would like for you to take. And number one on the list is I need King Jesus to help me find my one. And for me, every morning I get out of bed, I, I get on my knees and I pray and ask God for blessings for that day. I can be late for work. I, I just, I'm just going to take that, take that um that talking to, but I'm giving God that first part of the day because without him, I, th- that much human is one thing, but I, I, need, I need him first and foremost. So I pray to him first. And so in everything I do, I, I do that. So you need Jesus to help you find that one. Secondly, I need, I will allow the Holy Spirit to guide our conversation. That is very critical because you don't know where the conversation is going to go. The person, like I said, he may have a, a bottle in his hand. He may be cursing. He may, I mean, all sorts of things that could be going on. But you, you want to allow the Holy Spirit to guide that conversation because we've encountered those people when we were doing outreach as well. And it's awesome to see the Holy Spirit in those situations, those examples of doing great things. And third, I will pray for strength to be a good example. And... One thing, um, people, I find that they like hearing a sermon, but I think they like seeing a sermon more than they like hearing it. So if you're allowing God's word to be a lamp to your feet and light into your pathway, you can reach everybody in this room and not speak to everybody in this room just by your walk. And that's how you want to be. So I'm going to end this with a prayer that God will touch our hearts to be the example for him to live out our days. And granted, every day is not going to be your best. God understands that because we are, we are human. And you know that. And you wake up that next morning, you go back at it again. But you don't give up. Father, we come before you. We just give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. Um, because it's really in you that we live and we breathe and we have our being and we realize and know that without you we could do nothing but with you we could do all things regardless if we are 150 pounds facing a dude that's 200 we can do all things we are strong and we are mighty and we have the power Lord that's in investing in us through the Holy Spirit to do great things give us the strength to activate that the Holy Spirit to give us guidance and direction and purpose to be who you would have us to be as we seek to find our 2001. Lord, we know this is not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. And we know these are things that once it gets to that point, we have to go up and talk to this person or that person that those anxieties and fears are going to be right there. Give us the strength to push through it, push past it, to do and say the things that you would have for us to say and do. We ask you to bless us this week. Cover us on our job. Cover the kids at school and everything else we do, Lord. We seek your guidance. We seek your strength. 
we pray for the leaders of this country, the leaders of this world, and we just ask that they will seek your counsel. And for the most part, we know that most of them don't, so we're going to pray for them on their behalf, that you would guide their thoughts on policies and regulations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.